You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome back to Earth Station Trek, a show where we trek from the early days on NBC to the future on Paramount Plus and everywhere in between. I'm Charles Kelso, and it's my privilege to introduce the Earth Station Trek crew, Keith Johnson. Are you enjoying this? Are you having fun? Veronica Daschle. Hi. Vandy Beth Glenn. Hey. Elaine Sweatman. Hi. And Matt Sweatman. Hello, Trekkers. We have a full house tonight. Yeah. Oh, oh, he said trekkers. Oh, dude, we got to correct that. <laughs> we don't Uh-oh. have time. Oh, I didn't mean to get political. <laughs> I love it. All right. And the, the news of the week is sort of what we're here to talk about tonight. But first, Keith, yeah. did you have any This Week in Trek this week? Yeah, real quick. Uh, I'm going to run through fast. These are I thought these are very relevant given we're talking about the third um, season of a show that it's really, gosh, it was even titled The Next Generation. So I want to throw a couple of birthdays and a couple of events out of the way. First was on the 13th of February, 1928, was the birthday of one Gerald Freed. Wow. And Charles, you might know that name. And he's still with us. Yeah, he's the only Star Trek composer from the original series who is still with us. Yeah, and do y'all know the most famous song he composed from the original series? It's got to be the fight scene from Amok Time. That's it. Officially called the Ancient Battle slash Second Kroika. And that is the famous. <laughs> and man, I was reading that thing. That thing was evidently quoted by Eddie Murphy in one of his comedy movies, Futurama, uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. That thing is actually even more of a pop culture reference than I thought, mm-hmm. which I thought was just awesome. <laughs> Uh, to great effect in the cable guy. So, so is, is that where you got Krika from that one puppet show? Yeah, that's from Star Trek. Okay. The whole the whole show was from Star Trek, actually. I love it. You can hear the lights just come on with Veronica. Another quick birthday, 1932. Also important for this for the um the history and foundation of Trek. That's the birthday of Susan Oliver. Oh, okay. Ooh. Yeah, who played Vina in the cage. Um, that you might know, uh, Susan Alba was really you know, she's a great actress. Uh, another claim to fame is she was a pilot. Um, she won what was it then called the Powder Puff Contest. She was the fourth woman to fly solo across the Atlantic. And she was almost someone who flew around the world from the United States to Russia. But just as she got to Russia, they're like, no, nah, we ain't letting you in. So <laughs> she had to end that <laughs> But she was rated on everything from plot prop planes up to um, passenger, giant passenger planes, whatever was um, uh, the, the type of plane of the day. She's an incredibly right. good pilot. Something else I read that I found was very interesting was she asked Rick Berman to direct an episode of The Next Generation. And the official excuse came back was, you don't have any visual effects background, so sorry, you can't do it. Which what? is interesting. Wow. Because Jonathan Frakes had no visual effects background when he started directing on right. the next I generation. Like, do you need visual effects to be a director? You got to learn somewhere. It's very interesting. And also, and again, times have changed. But I remember that Gates McFadden was the only member of the TOG crew who had significant directorial experience. And she was one of those who was not allowed to direct. 
Yeah. So mm-hmm. it just shows times have changed. Yeah. One last one last quick birthday on 16th of February, 1957, one LeVar Burton. Yay! Who for me will forever be Kunta Kinte. <laughs> or a whole generation of people will forever be the guy from Reading Rainbow. And for everybody will be, yeah, LaForge. Yep. Yes. And then real quickly, two quick, uh, a couple of quick anniversaries. The 16th of February, 1967, was the premiere of one episode called Space Seed. Awesome. Yeah. Wow. Talk about, yeah, and I started to say, uh, I don't even mean this a joke, but talk about something that planted seed for future stuff. So much is <laughs> come from that, including the Sweatmans just even looked at the Augment arc in Enterprise. Mm-hmm. All coming from the episode. And the last thing, which I think is incredibly apropos, on the 18th of February, 1991, First Contact. Debuted awesome. in the United States. Heard of it? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> right. And welcome back to the TNG crew. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And that's this right. in track history. Well, if you're listening on the audio podcast, we're going to take a quick break to promote a fellow ESO Network podcast show. But when we come back, we'll be talking about the premiere of Star Trek Picard Season 3. So Woo-hoo. stay right there. Hey, hey, we're Monkeying Around, a podcast about the monkeys. Almost 12 years old. Davy Jones was it for me. <laughs> I was having problems dancing and tambourining. I got overzealous and overly excited. Like we've had our own little version of Monkey Mania 50 years later, which is just crazy. Be sure to like and subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. Check us out on Twitter, Facebook, and monkeyingaround.com. Tonight was the premiere of Star Trek. Picard season three. Yeah. Yes. 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 <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Usually Al gives me a woo woo, but he's here today. It's <laughs> energy. Yes. He's in La La Land right now. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, big, big premiere. I mean, it's obviously it's not yeah. the first time that they've brought the next gen crew back in some capacity. We've had that for a right. few, for a few years now on Picard. Right. But, um, it's being done in a different way this time around. And some people think that's good. Some people think that's bad, but I think uh, we're just going to we're dive in with spoilers for Star Trek Picard season three, the next generation. Anyone wanted to jump out with a quick opinion? Uh, <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> okay. Oh, my. How about you, Matt? Well, I w- I've been skeptical, uh, and I've heard opinions all over the spectrum on this one. Mm-hmm. I loved it. Good. I okay. enthusiastically, I loved it. All right, Elaine. I loved it too, but it does not take much to amuse me, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. got to be really bad for me to go no. So yeah, that's not a bad thing. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Keith? I really enjoyed it. I found a couple of the, I found a couple of things on which we'll get into in detail. A little cliche. The whole we got to steal a ship kind of thing was a little cliche. Mm. It reminded me way too much of the search for Spock. And I literally don't know where they picked up Captain Shaw. Was that from like central casting? <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I enjoyed it. The look somehow looks better. 
And I already like it better than the first two seasons of Picard. How about you, Veronica? Me? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I liked it. I liked it a lot. I like, like Keith said, better than the first two seasons of Picard. So far, not quite as good as the first episode of um, Lower Decks. Okay. So, I mean. <laughs> yeah. Vanny Beth, you sound like you were about to say something else when I started saying that. Yeah. <laughs> so you're, yeah were, you gonna, were you gonna were you gonna build upon your eh? This episode was a Jenga tower of cliches. Mm-hmm. And it's just a question of <laughs> when they stacked the, the the last possible one and the whole thing just comes crashing down. I there's so much I disliked about this episode and I really wanted to like it. Mm. So too many the, callbacks and stuff, like too much felt familiar. Uh, too many cliches, like uh, having to steal a ship, which makes no sense whatsoever. They right. didn't have they didn't have any troubles hiring a civilian ship in season one. Right, we're not, we're not given any real reason why they couldn't do the same thing. Right, again, uh, the whole conspiracy storyline, uh, the the captain being a jerk, Captain Shaw. I mean. Um, yeah, it was, um, I, I did not enjoy this episode at all. Okay. Yeah. I thought it was, I thought it was fun to watch, but I agree with you about the cliches. My, my first impression was that it was fun, but it felt Mm -hmm. fan, fan filmy. You posted that too, right? Yeah. That's yeah. That was the only thing I posted this morning because I watched it at Mm -hmm. 4am and I didn't want to start giving out too many opinions, (laughs) whatever was getting up (laughs) for work and stuff. But, um, yeah, I mean it's uh th- th- their their plan to steal the or to hijack the Titan or to borrow the Titan was silly. I mean, yeah, like a, a retired admiral, you wouldn't expect to walk onto an aircraft character carrier and say, "Hey, set a course for Japan." Wouldn't that be fun? Because <laughs> it's like, no, I've got actual orders from my superior officers. That's but, this is not how Starfleet works. Besides which, Crusher in Crusher's message, she said very explicitly. Do not trust Starfleet. And then right. the first thing they do is is go to a Starfleet ship. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. They could have found some kind of... I, I think they could have... Maybe because of the speed, was it the essence thing? Maybe they could have... Maybe they could have... You know, because it's a, a state-of-the-art... What was a Neo-Constitution class? And they were going warp 9.99... By the way, I really hate this new warp scale. I wish they'd go back to the old school warp scale where this would be like <laughs> warp 13, like in right. uh, and all good things. Maybe that's but I agree with you, Vandy Beth. I'm thinking you guys can find a mercenary ship somewhere because this doesn't make sense. And like you said, Charles, they come on board. Hey, I'm, a, I'm an admiral retired and I'm a captain without a ship. You're right. Just change course, can you? And we're not going to tell you what, what this is all about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Besides Wait. which, they got, they apparently got to the right and Writing system? Yes. They got to the writing system, which is on the edge of the Federation border, apparently in the space of one night because Captain Shaw slept through the whole thing. He's a heavy sleeper. (laughs) (laughs) He he needs his sleep. Okay, but it was established in in Voyager and in many other places that if it it takes 75 years to come back from the Delta Quadrant, Mm -hmm. then... Uh, it wouldn't be possible for them to get to the Federation border that quickly. And it's right. another, it's another example yeah. of, of many in the, in the franchise where, where ships are always able to move at the speed. The plot requires them to, no matter what, <laughs> right. no matter yeah. what has been established previously. Yeah, I kind of agree. 
I think what they're going to kind of claim is that you're playing around because the way that warp scale works is as you get as you add those stupid nines on it logarithm 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 goes up. So, <laughs> they're, they're, <laughs> so probably they're, exponentially. They're, thank you. I was waiting for keys to substitute another word. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I used to say this all the time, but I still agree with you, Eddie Beth, because even in Deep Space Nine, those it took several weeks to get from Earth to. The, um, to Deep Space Nine, and that was not the tier. And yep. even in Voyager, where they first, and that that great episode, Timeless, the one where Ensign Kim has to go back in time to, to stop the destruction of Voyager because they were using the quantum slipstream. Even then, they said they were at the outer edge of Federation space, and I think it was going to take another year to get to Earth, and that was considered the outer edge of Federation space. Mm. Um, so I agree, that was a little bit of a plot device. And we got a comment, comment yeah. coming in. Yeah, comment from mm-hmm. Facebook user. And sorry, Facebook user is not showing your name, so feel free to let us know who you are. This says, I agree with Vandy. I couldn't understand why they had to be duplicitous in getting a ship. And it was a bit weird that Dr. Crusher said no Starfleet, and they still went to Starfleet when they could have <laughs> hired a ship. It seemed like an excuse to get Seven in there. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. to get Seven in there and to set it on a Starfleet ship. Yeah. You know, but not with Starfleet backup. You know, it was just an excuse for Picard and Riker to be butch and sundancing across the galaxy. <laughs> and, and I feel like the reason that she said no Starfleet is because whoever is tracking them can track Starfleet and therefore they let it play, led them right to them. Could be, mm-hmm. could be. I mean, they'd already found them. They, you know, at the beginning of the episode before she sent that, but yeah, I mean, we don't know what's going on. Um, but yeah, uh, I thought that was pretty contrived, but I did enjoy just seeing Picard and Riker on an adventure together, even if it was kind of a silly adventure. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, um, maybe the excuse for why they still had to get a Starfleet ship versus um, a private one was that they couldn't get the speed to get there in time. They sent, they mentioned mm. nine point nine nine nine. It's very conceivable that on the scale that no private ship could come anywhere near that speed. So that might be the excuse why they still choose a Starfleet ship. Could be, could be. I mean, that's good. <laughs> Sorry, Charles. Go ahead. That's, that's a good a reason as any. Go ahead, Keith. Yeah, they shouldn't have scrubbed those old spore drive records, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, well, never, never mind that. Apparently, uh, in Prodigy, which is set some twenty years earlier, they've already developed some sort of super high speed alternative to warp drive because they can get to the yeah. Delta Quadrant very quickly. But they don't make any mention of that. So that's just well, you know, like. like- that's just a fan theory. Mm. Well, like the spore drive, they always forget these technologies. The next series, anyway, that's always back to warp drive. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, in Prodigy Janeway ship is using quantum slipstream, which is a technology they couldn't make work in Voyager, mm. and that technology lets you go. My goodness, thousands of light years, and it looks like hours. So I don't know. Yeah. Maybe so. Maybe that's what they're using. Don't know. Yeah. Uh, again. Yeah. I mean, her ship is pretty unique looking too. So it could be not every ship's going to have that. So, I mean, yeah. we don't know. It's, there's um, a good, like, they're a little vague on when this is set, but around 17, 18 years probably um, mm. from Prodigy to Picard season three. So I don't know. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, I, I thought that the, the, the everything was well acted. I enjoy, like I said, the team Picard and Riker together. I, with Shaw... I was oh my gosh. Of, of two minds about Shaw. I like the fact that he was just like, no, I'm not doing that. I don't have orders to do that. That part of his character I liked. I didn't like that he's making Seven of Nine go around calling herself Annika Hansen. Right. 
doesn't seem like she wants to. So that part of his character, I don't care for. Yeah, and putting an animal like going going with their their preferred name seems like a thing you would do on a Star Trek TV show, and not right. their dead name, for lack of a better word. Sure, yeah, and no, also, that's, a, that's a good name. He was good Shaw. Word. Shaw was incredibly and unnecessarily rude to them at dinner, which made no mm. sense to me. And then he literally put them in bunk beds, as it were. <laughs> right. So that was where I'm like, what is that all about? I mean, like you said, Charles, it's okay if he's a more he's more of a by the book guy. I mean, everything about Star Trek, I think it's so funny. As the heroes we always follow are considered cowboys by everybody else. So mm. Shaw saying, "Oh no, you know, you're not bringing that that disorder to my ship." Like you said, I'm okay, I'm okay with that. But just him being so rude and him and even making starting a comment dinner before they got there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what was yeah. that about? And then that horrible comment to Annika about your loyalty is not to another former Borg. I mean, good God. Yeah. Seriously? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it felt like between the name change with uh, with Seven of Nine and the mention of Picard where he sort of threw in there your former Borg, mm-hmm. I, I think there is a trying to establish a excessive Borg hatred in his character right off the bat. Boy. Well, Success. yeah. Uh, yeah, it's worse than Lorca. Yeah. yeah, that's, I mean, especially for having a former Borg first officer, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's like, so I, I like the fact that he was just like, no, I'm not, because you said so, going to fly to the edge of the Federation because it's cool. Um, but <laughs> the, the, the rest of his character, yeah, he's, um, I mean, he's deliberately a jerk. Mm. Yeah. And none of the crew members looked like they really were enjoying being on that ship. Like they just well, they can't see what they're doing. Well, <laughs> <laughs> but like the way they were, like they... obviously from the mirror universe because he keeps them in the dark. <laughs> there you go. Go ahead, Elaine. But like they just, you know, everybody was very stiff. Like there, there didn't seem to be any friendship or camaraderie or anything like that. It was just like robotic almost. Like beep beep mm. beep beep beep. We're ready to go. And I think that because of the captain, the way he wants everything to be. Perfect kind of thing. Sure, yeah. Yeah. Kind of makes you appreciate Jellico better, huh, folks? <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, I felt uh, I felt they were setting it up for a mutiny, and I thought that crew was ready to <laughs> mutiny. I thought they're like, yeah. yes, we are going to mutiny against Captain Shaw. You don't have to kill us. We're gonna twice. fall under. We'll, we'll fall under <laughs> seven, and we'll call her seven too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. yeah, Elaine I, Elaine, I think you made a very good point about the crew and how the morale scene, and, I, and my, my joke about Jellicoe's side, I think it's funny because I could see on a Jellicoe run ship, I could see a crew that does have a camaraderie. He's a little strict and so forth, but he's not Shaw-type strict. Mm-hmm. I think Jellicoe's the kind, as long as he thinks he gets the job done, he's cool. Uh, mm-hmm. This guy, yeah, I could see people kind of hating work, going to work every day for him. Um, yeah. Uh, real quick, Skip, forgive me, Charles, but I had a question because I wrote down... The Titan was beautiful inside, but a little boxy outside. What did y'all think about the ship and how it looked? Well, it's deliberately retro. Yeah. Um, before I get too much into that, I want to grab a comment, though, from Michael Phillips. that said the captain was hey, the Michael. most uptight in Star Trek history. <laughs> well, he's got slight competition. And I wondered, was he the was he supposed to be the reincarnation of the captain of the Reliant in the search for Spock? The one who literally had a riding crop. And was no, that was the Excelsior captain from Excelsior. Thank you. Yeah, yes, I get that. That was Captain Styles. Captain Styles, who at the time was famous on Hill Street Blues as another uptight character, who literally had a riding crop 
and was babbling about beating the Enterprise's record. <laughs> Shaw would give him a run for your money, but a stick up as you know what, Captain. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think the the Titan is deliberately retro. Mm. They're a little vague on whether this is Riker's Titan right. or, or whether he commanded two Titans. You know what I mean? Oh um, yeah. Because they acted as if he is the um he was captain of the Titan. Right. But then they they mentioned that it's been recently refitted. He made a comment about a new car smell, but then you know, Captain Shaw mentioned that he took over essentially from Riker, that Riker used to be the commander commander of this ship. Right. And, and so I don't I, I'm not I'm not sure if this is supposed to be the, uh, the ship like Riker's original Titan or if Riker commanded two Titans or if they're doing that thing that new Star Trek has done a few times, which is assume that when a ship is refit, it gets an A and becomes a different ship. Because <laughs> <laughs> they've done that a few times also. So I'm, I'm, I'm not I'm not sure. I thought it looked good. I thought the uh, my note, I noted the secondary hole looked a little small compared to those giant nacelles, which kind of right. sort of reminds mm-hmm. me of the. Um, Abrams versus Enterprise and how they did it. So the secondary hole looked a little boxy and small to me, but I love the, the primary hole. And inside actually looks really beautiful for all the computer stuff. I thought it was gorgeous inside. Mm. Yeah. And well, I love that I mean, view screen. It's the same set as the Stargazer. They may yeah. have added sets to it, but essentially yeah. the Stargazer. Really yeah. nice. And I, somebody made a comment, was it Veronica or Elaine earlier? And I'm ready in my notes, which is, why are all the modern uh, Federation vessels using low lights on the bridge? I, I mean, it's so dark in there. What is up with that? <laughs> right. Well, uh, to me, it reminded me a little bit of like Discoveries, because mm-hmm. in Discovery, it's dark like that on on the Discovery bridge, and so I was mm-hmm. like, oh, it kind of reminds me of Discovery, even though that is not the same time frame. Sure. I don't yeah. know where. Yeah. I don't know my timeline very well yet. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you look at all the other ships, it's always well lit on the bridge in the old days. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. in, the, in the Navy, we they keep the bridge dark so you can see it, other contacts at okay. sea in, in the dark, but that, that would wouldn't really apply in a starship. <laughs> yeah, it's a, as good an excuse as any. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I thought that the it seemed brighter than it seemed in some of the trailers. I was screen capping some of the trailers and like brightening them up so I could see what was going on and posting them on <laughs> Facebook and stuff. <laughs> but um, as a little bit brighter, but yeah, it seemed like it's it's just the mood they're going for. And it seems like it's brighter <laughs> behind them all the time than it is where they're standing. Like there's bright mm-hmm. stuff in the background and we just have to be always in the next room over where the lights are off. Yeah. yeah. So what do we think of Beverly? Beverly led off this adventure. Yeah, she did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Beverly straight up murdered somebody, dude. Seriously? <laughs> Two of them. He seemed like the kind of guy who has it coming. So, does <laughs> me or do those guys seem like the brain? Well, um, did it you mean, any, remind them? Because, like, the noises they were making and the way that they their, their clothes and then the mask thing, it reminded me of the brain. Okay. That's one I, theory. I didn't so get those that. were masks, right? Those were masks, not their actual natural faces. I, uh, we don't we know did, that. Yeah, he did say mm-hmm. that they have they come with different faces when they come back every time they find them and hunt them down. So apparently, it is a uh, adversary that can take on different look, faces of different species. It's maybe they're xenomorphs. Mm. Could be. Yeah, <laughs> could be. That'd be a twist. They they did that on Strange New Worlds though, so it's not that unusual. Right. <laughs> no. 
I uh, I thought it was cool. I thought Beverly was cool. Uh, I was a little I was surprised to see her just casually stand over that dude and and blow him away. And later on, Riker even said, "Doesn't seem like Beverly." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, I said it seemed like it was like alien, like here, like she was Ripley, you just with her gun hunting down whatever's on her ship. I was like, wow, you know. I mean, it was it was a clear case of self defense, and we've seen her yeah. do that before. Yeah. yeah, I mean, she was one of the people picked for that like super secret away mission when Jellicoe took over. That's true. Yeah, they sent her on the commando mission. Yeah. Well, she had she not only was defending herself. She not only had them set to kill, she had them set to completely disintegrate whatever she shot. <laughs> and that 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 struck me as a little severe. I'm like, okay, she's well past the point to where she thinks she can stun them and capture them, defend, which you would think it would have taken a lot to get to the point to where she was instantly disintegrating them. Yeah, I that agree. Is a, it's a big jump for Crusher from the Crusher that we knew from the series, who was more... I'm the doctor and like, you know, even though we're at a terrorist attack, I need to help these people and that sort of thing to like stone cold killer vaporizing people. Right. Cocking, cocking her phaser rifle, like a shotgun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It, it doesn't make any sense that you would need to cock or pump a phaser <laughs> rifle, but it did. Yeah. look It did look and sound cool. Right. Uh, it seems, seems apropos to make a note at this point that the name of, of Crusher's ship was Elios, okay. which which is the Greek god of mercy. Oh, okay, okay. Thank you. Uh, yeah. And yet, and yet, Beverly showed none. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> She's all out of Elios. <laughs> uh, her ship was very small. It seemed like a the, the shuttle was almost the size of her ship, or not not almost mm-hmm. the size, but it was a fourth the size of her, of her yeah. ship. So it seemed like she's on a little few person craft. Yeah. Yeah. Um, was it? Was it being run by two people? Um, was there evidence there was more of a crew than them two? I mean, it seemed like Riker was looking for more life forms on board the ship when he scanned it, right. possibly. Yeah. As of when we caught up with them, there seemed to be mm-hmm. t- the two people. Now, I guess a bulkhead could open and three other people jump out. We don't know that yet. But, yeah. I mean, I may have had a larger crew at one point, and now Beverly and her son are the only people left. Mm-hmm. I want to know how the heck he has a British accent. <laughs> Wow, we are thinking so much alike. I wrote, man, there are so many, there are so many people who end up like British kids in these shows. Right, well, I, right. the Brit, the British accent is clearly meant to imply that he's Picard's son, mm-hmm. right? As we all, as we, as we all know, accents are genetic. <laughs> Shinzon had one. Oh God! Exactly. <laughs> any any child that Picard fathers is going to have a British accent. <laughs> That's how you know Jason Vigo wasn't really his son. <laughs> the guy sounded American. <laughs> yeah. I was stunned to hear Picard say that he hadn't spoken to Beverly in two solid decades. Mm-hmm. And what the heck happened? Because then they said she cut herself off. She cut herself off from everyone. Picard, Riker, Jordy, everyone. So there's a huge mystery. I thought she would have been captaining a medical ship all these last 20 years or something like that. So I don't know what the heck is going on. And I think it's very interesting that they are building a mystery around Beverly Crusher's character. Well, the Elios, thank you, Vanny Beth, uh, uh-huh. may well be a medical ship. Mm, mm-hmm. You know, it has the right name for one, and Beverly right. seems to be in command. We don't know that for a fact, I don't think. But, um, yeah, I, something's going on, uh, either having to do with the fact that she was having a son, or unrelated to that, that sort of caused her to cut people, everyone off for 20 years. 
Yeah. Do, do we know that the Elios is a Starfleet ship, though? It looks like one. We don't. I yeah, guess we don't know that for one. sure. It has. Mm, I was trying to think if we, if we saw L cars and things. I mean, the, the the design of the ship is clearly Starfleet. Whether it's currently an op, an, an operation Starfleet ship, I don't know. Did you notice when they when they first uh, introduced Beverly when they were panning across the consoles and stuff? There was a a case that had Jack Crusher's name on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was pretty cool. And you saw like a medical tricorder and a couple other things real quick, and Jean Luc's log up. I do have a weird question, which is, I know that she has to be very secretive, but if you're really in dire straits, are you gonna send a message only to someone's twenty-year-old combat and hoping they like still have it around <laughs> and it's still working and turn on? And I mean, couldn't she send it to his phone? Yeah. That- <laughs> That right. bugged the heck out of me too. I mean, why would it, why would the old yeah. combat even still work? I mean, yeah. I I upgraded to an iPhone 13 last year. I don't st- <laughs> I don't still get calls to my iPhone 6. <laughs> and and we, we saw in the first season that he's got a whole stockpile of his old belongings at Starfleet mm-hmm. in the basement somewhere. So I mean, right. You're lucky he didn't open that thing up. Be like, oh, I had a missed call three years ago from Beverly. I wonder, I wonder what she wanted. I, I would be surprised he could hear it in the first place. I mean, he's 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 an elderly man. He, he still has perfect hearing because I couldn't hear it. I know but, it was beeping because the closed captioning told me it was beeping, but it wasn't until he actually had it in his hand that I could hear it. I was like, how did he? Well, he looks like an old man, but he has a synthetic body. Well, True. It could be too. Yeah. I mean, he spent so many years. Uh, like, if my uh, someone else's iPhone will go off in a grocery store, and I'll, <laughs> you know, because true, I'm so true. accustomed to listening for it. Um, we had a comment real quick from Michael Phillips saying, "I really wish they'd stop the Star Wars style pulse weapons and go back to the classic beams." I don't understand why they ever switched. Are the special effects cheaper or something? Michael Phillips, silent clap. Because it looks, because it looks. Thank cooler. you for saying that. I don't want. I do not want to be the guy who keeps complaining about the Abrams versus Fusion into track because it bugs me too. But thank you for saying it, so I didn't have to. Yeah, I also prefer the beams. Although I mean, yeah. the, the Defiant had pulse phasers, and mm-hmm. they had like squirt phasers in the Star Trek movies. You know, <laughs> so there's there's some precedence in the Star Trek universe for them. But yeah, I I also miss the beams. I like the beams. The beams are more scientific to me. Especially when they dodge them. Yeah, which is great. I know. What reaction time, right? (laughs) It seems like you'd never miss someone with that thing. You just wave it around like a flashlight until you got them. (laughs) (laughs) Ew. I I thought there was... um, (laughs) I thought that there was... uh, I've I've been on record record as saying I didn't like the first two seasons. Right. Of Picard, but Patrick Stewart is a master actor. And even if I hadn't known a lot about what had come before, the first thing I noted was you could feel and see Picard's spirit was lighter as soon as the yes. show kicked off. And not just because he actually kissed Laris and stuff. He was he was completely different. He wasn't bowed and beaten like he was in season two and even season one. Um and I loved seeing that about him. Yeah. 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 And I mean, we'll mention Laris. Let's let's touch on Laris real quick. Um, I, I was glad that she actually was there mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because they spent yeah. so much of season two. Um, that's sort of a big part of his character arc was from beginning to end asking out Laris. <laughs> and then we hadn't heard much about whether she was going to be in this season or not. And Beverly was coming back. And I was like, well, 
<laughs> but Laris was actually there. They seemed to be in some kind of a relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I like, I like that. I like his relationship with Laris in particular and his friendship with Romulans generally, because it, mm-hmm. it feels to me like an homage to Spock and to Picard's relationship with Spock. Yeah. Because is, because justice no. justice and reunification with the Romulans was very important to Spock. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and it's three seasons in a row now where I thought Laris should have gone on this adventure. How come Laris isn't coming? <laughs> they, they never take Laris along. Yeah, you mean unless you count that uh, that still inexplicable Laris clone from last season who was the Watcher or whatever, That's right? Uh, whatever you call. Yeah, maybe one of those guys will pull their mask off and it'll he'll be a Laris. Clone. <laughs> <laughs> Could be, uh, yeah. Um, I mean, what do you think? Is Laris going to show back up? There's, are we seeing the last of Laris for a while? I don't. Th- I don't think we'll see her again, except maybe at the end. They've basically ri- written her out, right? Yeah. I, I, I really hope so. Like, hey, if I'm traveling around the galaxy getting in danger, I think I'd want a former Tel Shiar member with me. We've already seen I, what she can do at the drop of a hat. I don't understand why you he know. didn't bring her along in the first place. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's got she's got uh, skills that'll be useful in the mission like this. Absolutely, it, it did sound like she had her own like diplomatic mission to do. Though. Yeah, she's got her own thing going on. But yeah. I guarantee that you know, uh, Crusher Junior would not have got the jump on her like he did Riker. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, but Riker got back at him, which seemed a little you know as as old as they were ta- describing him and knee problems and all that he was able to. But I also got the feeling that this. Crusher's son was not very well trained in those kind of combat arts. So maybe that was the factor that gave Riker the advantage there. Yeah, could be. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm, I'm still kind of hung on the, the Crusher Jr. thing. Uh, I mean, we'll, 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 first off, do we know his name? I mean, what are the odds that his name is Jack? Do we feel like Jack is a pretty strong candidate for his name? <laughs> well, yeah, right. because they had the name Jack in the on, on the luggage in yeah. the beginning, so maybe his name is Jack. Yeah. That would explain that better, because I thought it was very weird to take your dead ex-husband stuff on you on your mission. <laughs> 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 she never throws anything away. That's, that case is still good. <laughs> well, now that you're mentioning Crusher Kids, how come Wesley doesn't sense her distress and just pop in and then take her to, through time and space with him? Can he not do that? Is that against the um, law? That's a good point. I mean, he's a traveler, right? Come on, Wesley. But they're not. Uh, they're not. They're not omnipotent. There's limits to their power, so I don't think they want to portray him as being able to all knowing, all seeing, everything that goes on everywhere. I don't think that's quite how they describe mm. him. So right. no Deus ex, no Deus ex machina in this case, huh? But I would think he'd sense his mom's distress because the traveler sensed Wesley's distress when Beverly got trapped in that warp bubble. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, maybe he's already seen the end of the season, so he knows that she's going to be okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, he lives outside of time and space. <laughs> right. So, is there, is there anybody who doesn't think that her son is Picard's son? Okay, just wanted to make sure. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. the, the, honestly, that didn't cross my mind, but now you mentioned it because Picard said something. <laughs> about, it really didn't. But then you not. No, it honestly didn't. But then you're, but now you're mentioning it. He did say like something really weird happened 20 years ago. It's like she just stopped talking to him. So that would kind of follow through. I hope that's yeah. not the case. I, 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 I personally hate the plot 
when a woman hides um, a, a child from the father, that drives me up. Long story short, I'm adopted and I have a really complicated past. Mm. Um, I'm not going to go too deep in here, but I'm the product of an affair. Let's just say like this. And I knew my story. And I can't stand it when they have this plot line where a woman doesn't tell a man that he has a child. Now, if they want to argue about who raises the child, blah, blah, blah. But to just keep it secret drives me crazy. I hope Beverly is not doing that. But now that you put it in my head, I can't see any other thing. <laughs> and like Maddie Beth said, he didn't hear the accent. So right. <laughs> well, maybe a twist and Worf will be the dad. <laughs> no one will oh, see gosh. it coming. <laughs> and I hadn't put that together, but Matt said it, and I was like, going, oh, oh, yeah. okay. I that would make sense because 20 Thank years you, ago she disappeared and now there's a baby, a grown baby. Um, now there's but, a 19-year-old kid. But well, Shatner had the same thing happen to him, so it wouldn't be the first time. Well, they have, a, they have established Worf in this new season, by the way. We haven't seen him yet, but he's obviously Raffi's handler. Yeah, that seemed obvious to me. Just by the dialogue. I mean, I've seen speculation online that it's lore, like some kind of twist in lore is the handler for some reason. But Worf seemed, you're a warrior. This is a war. Request denied. Like it right. seems like wharf dialogue. Oh, I didn't catch that. Every clue I didn't today. Either. Me either. What the heck? <laughs> well, you you just watched it. <laughs> yeah, and I missed all this stuff. You yeah, I, 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 I missed that one too. Yeah. <laughs> okay, right. thank you. I was, but, I was also thinking it was, it was like the Borg collective people. Okay, that's a out that's outside chance, but maybe. Probably not because they're done with that. But yeah, yeah. they're done with the Borg. Right. Yeah, not just I. I thought it was some sort of like disguise for the voice, but I was thrown off with how high pitched and feminine it was. It was like denied, and so I don't picture Worf (laughs) that kind of voice. You know, I think that was just the computer reading the text. True, true, but the computer she got it set. <laughs> she doesn't have it on Michael Dorn's voice. <laughs> yeah, he hasn't recorded one yet. No. All right. So now that you guys have brought the possibility of Wharf, which I am so I didn't even think about. It's I'm interested to how see how he's going to be integrated into the plot. And Jordy, who's off running the Fleet Museum. I want to see how they're going to bring him into the plot because I expected Jordy to be doing like either writing a novel like he was in All Good Things or uh, running the Daystrom Institute or some engineering school, but he's running a museum, which is interesting. Oh, yeah. well, I'll go ahead and make a prediction on the record here tonight. What's that? Uh, uh, Sydney LaForge is going to call her dad. Uh, and she's going to say, yeah. listen, dad, I'm not supposed to be telling you this, but Picard and Riker were just here. I think something big is up. You better come down here. And then, and then it'll be Jordy who put who brings the band back together and then and then he won't have trouble getting a ship and he'll yeah. fly on out to the writing system okay yeah. That yeah, they'll, be, all, yeah. they'll all try to meet up at deep space four until somebody corrects picard again and they get a <laughs> deep space 11 <laughs> <laughs> or they'll go, they'll go to starbase 80 instead <laughs> <No>. <laughs> all right we had a comment from Michael Phillips. I immediately intuited that it was Dr. Crusher's son. I didn't understand why Picard was confused. It's not like she can give birth only once. I'd prefer <laughs> if he wasn't Picard's son. There are a lot of men in the universe, after all. Candles, too. 
<laughs> it's a lot of, a lot of possibilities. <laughs> you, you beat me to that one. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. <laughs> well, what do we think of Cindy LaForge? Uh, there wasn't much to her. No opinions? Yeah. They're, Crash LaForge, they call her? She's yeah. kind of there. To, to be determined. There's a lot of references to the to the Star Trek movie series in this with Damora Sulu and David Marcus and mm-hmm. etc. You know? The font um, of in the 25th century at the first of the episode right? was right out of the Wrath right. of Khan. And right. music was very... Uh, but they weren't using the Jerry Goldsmith theme. They were going for very much James Horner type music from Star Trek's two and three. Mm-hmm. There were definitely some music cues that were right out of Star Trek, the motion picture. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. yeah. And then the t- for the, for the end credits, they lifted the first contact theme. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. I thought all that was nice. It was, it was as always, which has never been a complaint with these shows, a gorgeous looking and sounding show. Like, no doubt about it. I mean, it just looks beautiful on my television. I love the music. I, I got to be honest, when I heard the Star Trek theme, I li- I smiled. And I, I, how can I not? For 50 years, I've been watching this thing. And since right. I done, da-da, it's like, oh, Star Trek. And so. <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this is the first live action episode we've had since 2005 with an on-screen title. Oh, because Maybe that's the, the title of the episode up the top instead of an intro sequence, which seems like it's at the end now, or at least it was for mm-hmm. this episode. And it mm-hmm. was just part one, the next generation. But we haven't got on-screen mm-hmm. titles throughout the new the new Star Trek shows, except that's for on animation. Yeah, and the and the theme song didn't have lyrics either. It's <laughs> true. <laughs> well, not, not that we know of. Elaine and I start expecting to hear it's been a long road every time they catch the teaser of any star trek show now <laughs> you guys have finished enterprise now right we just yes. did yes yeah last night okay i feel a show coming up so that's <laughs> so that's who has hurt you sweatman's <laughs> yeah. i made a note when they first showed rafi and this is always this is a very personal opinion I didn't like Rafi in seasons one or two. I'm a man. My wife, my wife is a black woman. And the first time I saw Rafi, I had a thought. And then my wife saw it. I didn't make a comment. And her first thought was, I'm a little upset that a black woman in the 24th century is introduced as smoking weed and drinking all the time and living in a trailer in the desert and supposedly utopian future. So we have both struggled with Rafi and her. She's a great actress. We've kind of struggled with that. It's a personal thing. Even somebody younger than me may not have this problem. I do not speak for all black people. But the angry black woman is kind of an irritating stereotype for me. So when they first introduced Rafi, I wrote in my notes, Lord, please let Rafi be undercover. And it turns (laughs) out. And it turns out she's undercover. Now, now I'm kind of cool because it looks like she's been smoking something while she's been undercover. But it, what I found is so interesting is context is king because Rafi being an undercover like this and struggling with whatever is a much more palatable character for me than the Rafi that was introduced in season one, who was basically smoking weed and drinking because she was pissed off. The cart let her down and she got kicked out of the service. And so I actually like that fact that she's been undercover for months and she's feeling lost, I, I can deal with her better this way. And I, even just the time they showed her, it just showed me she's a really good actress. And somehow maybe it's my prejudices, but as I was able to drop my filters and how I didn't like what Rafi represented, I much more appreciated the actress's performance today. And I actually found myself looking forward to her going forward 
which I was surprised not to find. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I thought that also thought that was a really good twist on her character um, mm-hmm. to make use of the backstory they've given her so far, but mm-hmm. make her a functional member of Starfleet and, you know, actually mm-hmm. doing something on the show. But, um, and yeah. they said, I, I, I was listening to Michael Dorn on the shuttle pad, the shuttle pod mm-hmm. um, podcast. And he was saying that he has a lot of material with Michelle Hurd. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing those two uh, together, you know? Wow. Can you see Worf, Seven, and and Rafi all in a scene together? <laughs> that could be powerful. Those are the powerful actors there. Yeah. That would be really cool. Yeah. Um, Vanny Beth, you had mentioned in uh, Facebook discussions that you weren't you weren't feeling Seven in Starfleet. You kind of preferred her as a ranger. Did watching the show today change that at all? No. <laughs> I mean, what I I believe what I said was I I think it every Star Trek show. I mean, every Star Trek show is essentially military science fiction, and mm-hmm. they always present this image that Starfleet is the is the the ne plus ultra uh, of of being a federation citizen like everybody wants to be in starfleet and if you don't want to be in starfleet why why don't you want to be in starfleet it's mm, right what else is there yeah, exactly <laughs> it's like it's like people from san francisco talking about san francisco <laughs> and it i just i i mean seven in the first two seasons seem to have built a, a really nice life for herself, and it was only in in the, the second season where they started establishing out of nowhere that she'd always had this longing to join Starfleet, and mm. it just doesn't make any sense. And it makes even less sense that she would apparently be going in as a commander and being slotted into the, the first officer role when she never even served as in any sort of command capacity before. Right. Yeah. Agree within Starfleet, anyway. Yeah, it's a reboot of her character, and they like they started at the end of season two when Picard said, "Now you're in command." Like what? (laughs) (laughs) Do that. Um, But yeah, it's. uh, I didn't think it seemed like a natural progression for her character at all from what we saw in the first two seasons. No. Someone, someone mentioned earlier theorized that maybe Shaw hates Borg. I wonder if back at the home office they're like, "Okay, we got this Borg. Uh, Who do we want to put her under?" Yeah, put her under Shaw. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he'll keep her alive he hates he hates their people <laughs> could be well and, and seven does look miserable in her role in the ship and she pretty much says she was when um in that what that that one scene right yeah yeah boy who wouldn't be yeah now, it would have been it would have made so much more sense to me if Riker and picard had said okay we need to we need to avoid Starfleet and we, and we need to get a ship if they had then gone to seven as a Fenris Ranger mm. and convinced mm. her to, to lend them a ship or, or even give her a, come along with her own ship with them to where they needed to go. And then that way they would have avoided Starfleet, which they were supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. And it would still bring seven back into the story. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, or, I mean, especially with La Serena still kicking around. Yeah. Like you, you've got a, a set already for a civilian ship. I mean, jump on La Serena and fly to the edge of the galaxy, or if they want to keep with Picard and Riker sort of 
goofballing around the galaxy, have them like, you know, booking a passenger flight and <laughs> having to sit, ride coach out to the edge of the galaxy. <laughs> I'm thinking of Avenue five now. Um, right. <laughs> well, I think, I think they showed us that the ship Rafi is using is La Serena. Right. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Oh, like, I see. You've got, got it available if they wanted a civilian ship, but I think they, they're, they're doing jumping jacks to get back onto a Starfleet ship and one that looks um, uncharacteristically like, the TOS movie era. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, Starfleet yeah. looked very retro. I wrote in my notes, maybe one reason they needed a fast ship because his card spent like an evening sipping wine with, um, with Laris discussing if he should go rescue Beverly or not. And I'm like, dude, as soon as you got the message, should you like run out the door? They were sitting there in the dark and they were just sitting there and they were talking. And said, blah, blah, blah. Dude, seriously, leave. I, I wrote my notes, leave. <laughs> What's there to discuss? Then he had to go have a night with Riker in the bar discussing <laughs> all of that. Well, well we found yeah. out Riker and Deanna aren't together anymore or something. Something's up with them. But yes. Yeah. yeah. What was that comment about? That was weird. Yeah. Yeah. So, they're, they're, yeah. It seems like they're having some marriage problems. Did you, were you trying to get your theory in there? Yes. Go ahead with your theory. So I have two things. So I'm going to get to my theory second. Okay. First, I want little tiny fat starships. <laughs> and make it cold, like those little, I, those little cube things that they have, where you like the metal ice cubes. Rock. Yes, and I and I want my little fat Enterprise to to go in my cup. It's a galaxy class to you, ma'am. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and also, Riker was acting really, really strange. So, um, I was thinking that he was Thomas and not Riker, and somehow Thomas intercepted it. And yeah. he had to come up with an excuse of, oh, no, it's fine. Yeah. I can just leave them behind. What actually you know, happened when you started yelling, it's Tom, like at 430 in the morning. <laughs> and I had to find the remote and pause it and say, what? It's Tom. Tom who? Tom Riker. It's like, no, it's not. And, and then back it up. So I see what I'd missed. But anyway, for anyone who's keeping score at home, Brock is calling Breen and Thomas Riker. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I, I'm sorry I'm not at home to keep score right now. So. That's right. <laughs> that, is awesome. that is so funny. Um, hey, did, y- did y'all notice the name of the planet Rafi was on? Yes. Metallus. Metallus. Like Metallus, as in right. Terry Metallus, as yeah. in the writer of the episode. I think that's awesome. a whole other <laughs> Yeah, I think the episode. I think that planet was named after him when he was working on Enterprise. He was like Brandon Braga's assistant or something, and they named a planet. Oh, after him, so. I, okay. I if there was a planet after me named after me, and I was writing a Star Trek episode, that planet would for sure be in it. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> and it wouldn't be named of the victim of Gary uh, Gary Mitchell and where no man have gone before at all either, would it? <laughs> I <don't> think so. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I think the episode was fun. It was a bit goofy. It was very heavy on fan references. Rachel Garrett made it in there somehow. I mean, yeah, was, the um, statue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, you could pile on the fan references, but they're trying to win fan goodwill back from the fans who didn't care for the first two seasons. You know, there's, I feel like it's too little too late. Like the way that Lower Decks loaded in the fan references, everyone's like, hey, this is so cool. But the way that, Enterprise loaded in the fan references. It seems like they were shoving it in your face rather than, ha ha, look at this thing in the background. Well, that's a, that's a good point because Enterprise was, you know, the ratings plummeted over the first three seasons and then they tried adding Star Trek back in the title. They tried a story arc. And then ultimately they tried to just cramming in as many fan references in season four as possible and it didn't succeed in saving the ratings. So, that's, I mean, it was, that's a, 
Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that's a very good point. And that's something when we have our discussion with the Sweatmans about Enterprise, <laughs> you you actually hit on something. I I actually like season four of Enterprise the least of the four, mm-hmm. even though it is admittedly the best produced okay. because it's too much fan service for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd rather Enterprise fail at telling new stories like the Zendi arc than succeed or fail at giving me the augments and Orion women and all that kind of stuff. But that's a whole other story. And it's funny what y'all are saying, because as much as I did notice the fan callbacks in tonight's show, it's weird. It didn't bother me as much as some fan callbacks in other shows. And mm. I'm always amazed at how subjective our feelings are about things. Like if they do a fan callback in the Abrams first movies, I'm like, ah, this thing sucks. I hate it. <laughs> and then when they do it here, sometimes I'm like, oh, it sucks if it's discovery or then like, oh, okay, I can kind of deal with this. Uh, it's just weird. I don't, I, I, sometimes it's the context. Sometimes it's the characters that you mm. like. I was able to forgive a lot of it today. Um, there was one real reference I thought was really funny. When Rafi was looking for, like you were talking about, she was looking for what might be going on, and she asked for some great – she asked two things. She asked for some uh, important events that were taking place, and it was Empire Union Day, Frontier Day, and uh, the Gratitude Festival. And then she was looking uh, – she was asking for the definition of Red Lady – I thought it was freaking awesome that one of the definitions of Red Lady was a Tal Shiar operative who had just been murdered by her father. And the, <laughs> <laughs> the crew just threw that out there. Like, holy crap. Like wow. Seven days ago, this happened. Okay. Right. Yeah. yeah. And Rafi didn't seem to think that was important. <laughs> right. It reminds, right, right. It reminds me of um, Garrick in the Obsidian Order where his own father, uh, uh, spoilers, but, well, I don't want to do too many spoilers. Let's say somebody uh was talking about he should have killed garrick and it's just kind of amazing that people in these organizations killed their own kids you'd like to think that doesn't happen in section well no section 31 would probably do it so i'm not going to say anything about that but i thought that was a full <laughs> reference to how evil the tal shiar can be which right. is another reason why i take laris with me if i'm going on a mission like this <laughs> i would totally bring laris yeah. <laughs> okay well i mean we've got a few minutes left we're uh, about seven minutes out from the end of the hour any any other thoughts? What what are we overlooking? What do we miss? What is anything else um, they may want to get off their chest? I got Go one. Ahead. We haven't discussed the uh, terrorist attack. Oh yes, oh, that's true. Yes. That's true. Go ahead. Uh, I I love you know they have to do a new way to show a terrorist attack, and they did a very creative new way to show a terrorist attack in that scene. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was like they opened a wormhole under it and put it back the out other side. Yeah, it's yeah. like a like a portal mm-hmm. weapon. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, yeah, or like a quantum tunneling weapon, maybe. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. Well, there you go. Right, well, yeah, I mentioned what, that. What was it that they they stole from the Daystrom Institute? Right. Yeah, yeah. that's it. There you that go. Was... That's actually the plot. I was talking about a video game. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, I thought that was that was impressive looking. I thought that was that was that was an impressive looking thing they did there. Uh, mm-hmm. I've seen some things like I watched the I've watched the um, new one of the new He-Man cartoons. It's a CGI one on Netflix, and the sorceress in there, Matt, does that when people attack her, the mm-hmm. the, the beams go into her wings, and then they come out the other wing, go and are directed right back at the person. So they go into some space and come back out. And oh, so wow. when they did that with that thing where they took that entire complex mm-hmm. and transported it or whatever out, and then it came back. And then also I love the effect that it looked like. A hole in the air. I thought that was mm-hmm. really well, right. really well right. done. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And 
And I'm anxious to see how this ties in with Beverly's mission. Obviously, they're going to come together some way or how, mm -hmm. but we don't know how yet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting seeing Picard embracing so many of the tropes of Star Trek movies. I mean, they're deliberately <laughs> evoking all the Star Trek movie series. and But a lot, in a lot of cases, things that Lower Decks parodied in Rise of Invicta, um, the big <laughs> evil ship and the big evil people mm -hmm. and the... <laughs> you know the weird lighting and all that kind of stuff so i thought that was kind of it's interesting to see that played straight after seeing lower decks sort of taking mm -hmm. the piss out of it oh yeah all right. and for that matter the ships the very end scene the the, the ship that appeared speculation on that yeah that was my a... first thought was romulan just because mm -hmm. of the way it was like pointed forward like it was gonna mm -hmm. like it was a giant claw mm -hmm. it yeah. did, to me it, it almost be. looked like it was going in like to grab it and pull thing, but I know it wasn't. Maybe. It did. Yeah. It reminded me of um it reminded me of Shenzhen Shenzhen's ship in Nemesis. Yeah. Or yes. Nero's. Yes. Or Nero's right. Yeah, it's your generic yeah. evil ship, but <laughs> <laughs> but uh it, it had almost it almost looked like the Enterprise D at the bottom of it with the front of it and the little oval shape. Mm. It almost felt like it was deliberately meant to look like the Enterprise D. Maybe I'm imagining something there. Maybe it is. No. Maybe maybe there, maybe there's <laughs> no kind of xenomorph. <laughs> no, no. like. but, but, but there is like an oval shape at the bottom right. of it in the front, just like the Enterprise D. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So we've got Breen, Thomas Riker, and Enterprise D to watch out for this season. <laughs> All wrong. Um, every one of those is wrong. I am. I am everything, beyond. Everything curious. you just said is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I am beyond curious to see Seven's story now because, right or wrong, she committed an absolutely court martial offense mm -hmm. by literally stealing it, taking a ship, not telling her captain, who, like you guys said, slept through a whole freaking journey across a different part of the galaxy. <laughs> I, and also, I do not understand protocol. If a ship, of course, would change, you'd think the captain would have been notified. But what she did was a little court-martial offense. So I really wonder how she's going to get out of this. Because um, mm. Shaw doesn't seem like... Because in most Star Trek things, people go, ah, ha, 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 you did it for the right reason, you scab, I'm going to let you go. Shaw doesn't seem to be that type. Nope. Well, he's going to die. So... <laughs> I mean, the clock's ticking on that guy. <laughs> oh, in All that right. case, what Elaine says is Seven takes over as captain and this crew cheers. Uh, we had a comment from Dan Leckie who said, hi, hey, guys. Hi, hi, Dan. Dan. Hi, Dan. Hey, Dan. Yep, hey, welcome Dan. back. Um, yeah, so I mean, I, like I said, I, I thought it was fun. I mean, a big a big part of Star Trek for me is that I like the characters. So if I'm enjoying the characters, I'm, I'm, I have an easier time when the plot doesn't make a lot of sense. You know, I can watch Kirk and Spock or Picard and Riker in a silly adventure. Um, right. And I, and I'm okay because I'm having a good time. And I like that that camaraderie was there. And I like that they were having a good time on their adventure. They're actually, they weren't miserable the whole time. They even made a joke out of the fact that they were enjoying themselves, you know, yes. that because the, these things tend to be pretty dour in the new live action Star Trek shows often. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, I'm excited to see what happens next. And, you know, the, the silliness of this episode isn't going to ruin it for me. I sort of went in with the expectation, though, that this is more stylistically growing out of the movies than the next gen series. You mm -hmm. know, that seemed clear to me from just the trailers and the promotional images. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Anybody else? Any final thoughts about the episode before we close it up? I have two random observations. Okay. The uh, first is when, when Rafi asked for more money and then she was sent the money from her handler who was, to who was totally wharf by the way <laughs> uh, we heard a cash register sound effect 
which which tells me that Venmo is still being used in the 21st century. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And the other thing is uh, when when Picard and Riker were piped aboard the Titan, we saw uh, the the uh, the crew person who did it holding the pipe the the which was which was electronic in some way. It had hmm. it had lights on it, um, which I just I, I hated that. I mean, we've seen deliberate, we've seen intentional anachronisms in the past, and for the sake of tradition or ceremony like the bell that was used in Kirk's court-martial all the way back in the original series. Mm. So I just wish that had been a regular bosun's pipe. Because, I, mean, I mean, what purpose could be served by the electronics anyway? Right. <laughs> anyway, since since the person apparently still has to blow through it, what, <laughs> what, what purpose could be served by whatever electronics are built into maybe, that thing? If, if, maybe if they didn't have to blow through it, maybe... It just was like just to? for show. Well, in that case, you could just get the ship's computer to make that sound. <laughs> yeah, it, that's true. It just that's but true. it's for show, and it computer just... can't be a show. Oh, I guess computer can't be a show. But what? <laughs> but okay. They, if it's, it's for it's if it's for show, fun. then that's all the more reason why they would just use a traditional bosun's pipe that you would see. That's true. Yeah, on, a, on any naval ship today. Yeah, in the Savage Curtain, they had a traditional one, and then in, in Star Trek Six, they had the electronic one. So. I don't know. Maybe it's uh, like an antique electronic one. It's been around so long. I don't. Know. It's like in lower decks when they put buttons on the potted plants. I don't know what they're for. <laughs> There's a space here. <laughs> okay. Anybody else? We had a, a final comment uh, from the audience from Dan Lecky saying, "So much is not as it seems." True. All right. Well, all right. Uh, this has been fun. Thank you guys very much for joining us. This has been great. Um, Vandy Beth, where can people find more of you? Uh, I do stand up here in the Atlanta area, um, but most saliently tonight, I have begun my own podcast. It is called Jettison Pod. It's about comedy in science fiction. Mm -hmm. So it's not a Star Trek podcast, but we will often discuss Star Trek as in the first two episodes. The first episode was with the, the absent Alan. And we talked about the five funniest episodes in the Star Trek franchise. And uh, in our second episode, we, we talked about the, the season premiere of the latest season of Lower Decks. And in the upcoming third episode, uh, Charles was my guest. And we talked about the season premiere of She-Hulk. So yeah. we're having a lot of fun with it. And I encourage everybody to listen. Absolutely. And where can people find that? Uh, at... Any place that you find, find podcasts. It is a Libsyn podcast, and the title again is Jettison Pod. Which is a great name for a podcast. I can't believe that wasn't taken. I can't either. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Matt, where can people find more of you? Um, The usual places, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, I comment a lot on our station Trek. Every now and then we post some things. Eventually, we might be doing a season two of original series countdown once we. Awesome. Awesome. I look forward to seeing what everyone gives you a hard time about this time. (laughs) (laughs) That's the best part. (laughs) Right. And how about you, Elaine? You can find me on Twitter at monkeying around and on Facebook at monkeying around, which is the podcast I'm on. And um, I'm also on Twitter and Facebook with my personal name, too. So, yeah. Okay. And how about you, Keith? 
You can find me on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, primarily the ESO Network Facebook groups. And how about us, Veronica? Felton3.com. And? Monkeying Around, a podcast about the monkeys, which I only just noticed Matt is wearing our t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> An hour in and I just noticed it. Well, that, that check. It's eye-catching. That, that check that Chuck sent me a couple of weeks ago has been going very far, as you can see. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do you have a closing for us this week? Who, me? Make it so. Hey, great job. <laughs> there you go. Thank you for listening to Earth Station Trek. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Give us a positive rating. You can also send us feedback at earthstationtrek at gmail.com. You can join in the fun on our Facebook group or follow us on Twitter. You can also visit us online at earthstationtrek.podbean.com. We'll see you next time. Live long and prosper. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.